Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Daniel chapter 3, starting verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. In verse 13... Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought, uh, when they were brought in, verse 14 says, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I've set up? Verse 15, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, then you will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? In verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. And Lord, more than the reading, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who quickens our minds and our hearts to be able to hear it and understand it. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the will today to not just hear it and understand it, but to do it to do it in Jesus name amen amen well listen last week we started a series called the fire walking series the fire walking series we're looking at the experience of these three Hebrew men uh, Shadrach Meshach and Abednego Uh, the principles that we can see in their lives as they walk through a literal fire can also help us as we walk through the fires of our lives anybody ever been through a fire before we just, we, we just read their declaration of faith to Nebuchadnezzar. It was inspiring. It was exciting. It was far more exciting and inspiring for us because we already knew how it was going to turn out. Probably a little scary for them. But they told the king, um, the king told them, you don't bow to this 90-foot idol I just built, then we're going to throw you into a blazing, fiery furnace. They didn't hesitate with their response. They said, they said, listen, the God we serve is powerful enough to deliver you, to deliver us from the fire. And they fully believed that God was going to do it. But if he didn't, if he didn't, there was no way they were ever going to bow to his God. All right, so from that, we found the first principle last week uh, that, that where you place your focus makes all the difference. So the, the principle is called the fire focus principle. And it's this, they trusted in God as both Savior and and sovereign. They trusted in God as both Savior and sovereign. They had complete faith in God's power, but they also had complete faith in the goodness and the wisdom of God to make the right choice. 
Too many times our focus and our faith is limited to only one outcome or even one method of achieving that outcome. But God is supremely powerful and supremely creative. He got like a thousand ways to do everything. So if we really trust God like we claim to, then we will focus not only, not only our attention on his miracle working power to do anything, but also on his big picture wisdom to make the right choice in every situation of our lives. Now we're going to keep reading in this passage and we're going to find uh, the second uh, of the uh, principles and the title of today's message, the fire friendship principle. The fire friendship principle principle. Let's, let's keep reading. So we'll pick up where we left off. Daniel 3 verse 19 now. Daniel 3 verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his face became distorted with rage. Y'all seen your mama face like that in church a couple times when she can't say what the Lord has placed on her heart to say to you. Anyway, he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he, or, I think at some point, it's just hot. <laughs> it doesn't matter, five times, eight times, it's just hot. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and they threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Well, look, he shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth one looks like a god. When King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon conquered the nation of Judah, they chose the best and the brightest of the upper stratus of society to bring into his kingdom, train them to be academics, train them to be his advisors. And that's how uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel, their friend, wound up in Babylon. The defeat of the nation of Judah was the wrath of God poured out on the nation because they had abandoned the true worship of God and they no longer lived according to his principles. They had profaned the very temple of God by setting up idols and altars to other gods in God's temple. And all those, these, these three guys in particular, along with Daniel, still held to their trust and their belief in God. The nation as a whole was rotting from the inside out. The government, religion, business, all the institutions of their nation were crumbling and corrupt and godless. I know we don't know nothing about that, do we? So here's what I'm trying to tell you. These boys lived in Judah in a time um, when there was rarely a manifested presence of God. What we've experienced here today, they'd never experienced it's entirely possible they had never really had that almost physical assurance like we get that God is real and that God is good and that God is among them. They were operating on principle. 
They were operating on their belief in the system of laws and the worship that had been established by Moses uh, hundreds of years before. It was, this is Old Testament. This particular passage took place after 586 B.C. So this is 6th century B.C., hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, hundreds of years before the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit did not reside with believers then as he does now. The Spirit would come upon people to empower them for the tasks and the will of God, but he didn't dwell with them on a day-to-day basis like he does with us. So I just want you to understand the faith and the courage that these three guys had in a God that they might never have encountered in any sort of tangible way. They stood there flat-footed and looked eyeball to eyeball with the king and they signed their own death warrant because they believed in that God so strongly. That's, That's incredible to me. So after they declare the power of God to deliver them from the king and from the furnace, they found themselves being thrown into the fire anyway. But they could not have anticipated what they would find in the fire. Have you you ever recognized that you were about to be thrown into the fire? Have you all ever seen, like you look around you go, oh snap. Like, you see the pieces are falling into place, everything's getting lined up, you're like, it's about to get rocky in my life. Uh, what, goes, what goes through your mind when that happens? <laughs> yeah, Lord Jesus, yeah. It, um, fear is probably the first thing, right? Because, listen, no, if you like the fire, something wrong with you. No, nobody likes the fire. Fear is probably the first thing that, that hits you. Fear the pain that you're expecting. Uh, fear of the loss of relationships or the loss of health or the loss of finances or the loss of fellowship with somebody or, or whatever it is. What do you think you're, you're going to find in the fire? It's usually hard to see past the pain and the loss. But what these three guys found, I'm sure, never crossed their minds. What was about to happen to them was probably not top of the mind for them as they're getting tossed into the furnace. But what they found was the fire friendship principle, and this is it. They they found friendship with Jesus in the fire. They found friendship with Jesus in the fire. They had probably never even witnessed a sincere priest performing his duties in the temple because the priesthood was corrupt. They never had one of those Shekinah glory clouds rest over their worship service like happened in Solomon's days. Never since the Holy Spirit moving inside them the way he moves in us. But as soon as they hit the bottom of that furnace, they immediately discovered they were not alone. Everybody saw it. Everybody. Even the king saw it. The king said, listen, I know I've been blinded by my arrogance and rage, But didn't we throw three guys in there? Like, I swear I see four. Do y'all see four? Right? And these guys, everybody's like, yeah, we see see four. These guys had an encounter with God that they could never have prepared themselves for. As a matter of fact, they met Jesus in that fire. It's it's what theologians call a pre-incarnational manifestation of Jesus what they say. 
All that means is that Jesus sometimes showed up on earth, even in the Old Testament. He still showed up before he became the baby in the manger. All right, Jesus was the fourth man in that fire, standing right beside those three guys. Let me tell you something. Don't let the fear of the fire that you're in blind you to the fact that standing in the midst of that fire is Jesus himself. And he's going to reveal himself to you in a way that you could never have understood him otherwise. You say, why would Jesus show up in my fire? Like, why wouldn't he just abandon me like all my friends? I I thought he'd leave me like everybody else. I thought he'd make me learn my lessons the hard way and alone. Listen, that's not Jesus. He's not like anybody else in your life. Not only will he not leave you, he can't leave you. He can't. Because he promised, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And since God is truth, it's impossible for him to lie. So no matter what kind of fire you're walking through today, listen, even if it's a fire that you started yourself, just stop and look around. Because right in the middle of the flames, you're going to find a friend. In Jesus. Let me show you this. Isaiah 43. First couple of verses. said, But now, O Jacob, listen listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Don't be afraid because I've ransomed you. That means he bought you back from the enemy. He said, I've called you by name. You're mine. When you, what, what does that mean? It means when you get thrown into the furnace and you meet Jesus there, he ain't got to ask you your name. He knows your name. He created you. He knows where you are. You might be surprised to find him. He is not surprised to find you. And he says this, when you go through deep waters, I'm going to be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. No matter where you find yourself, no matter what analogy for trouble that you choose to to use, whether it's fire or flood, whether it's storm or raging seas, all you have to do is look around and right in the middle of your trouble, you're going to find Jesus. He is near to the brokenhearted. Psalm 46 says God is our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in times of trouble. Not only are you going to find him present in your trouble, but you're going you're to find a friendship with him in your trouble. And you're going to experience him at, at a way and, and, and in a, at a level that you've never experienced him before. Why is that? Because there's a depth to a friendship that's been forged in the fire. There's a depth to a friendship that's been forged in the fire. I have uh, often referred to a time of my life when I had a, a crisis of faith. It's been almost 20 years now. Most difficult period of my life up to that point. And it felt like everything was crumbling around me. It felt... Honestly, it felt like everything was on fire, like my whole life was on fire. Um, I was serving as a worship pastor here um, 
at this church, but I was also struggling with my faith. That's an interesting little contradiction there, right? So I was leading worship to a God that I felt like had abandoned me in the middle of my fire. And for a little while, I was leading worship to a God that I wasn't sure I still believed in. Now, I was talking about it a few years after that, after that season had finally expired. And let me encourage you today, fire is a season. It's a season. Just like you walked in it, you're going to walk out of it. Okay? To everything there is a season, a time to every purpose under heaven. And there is a time for the fire. There is a purpose for the fire. But there is also a time when you're going to walk out on the other side. Okay, so don't don't get overwhelmed in the midst of it and think this is not just a season like this is my life now. No, it's not. It feels that way, but it's not. That season will change. And after that season changed for me, uh, a friend of mine, I was talking about it, um, and a friend of mine who served on staff with me here uh, at the time, she, she sort of chimed in and she said, oh man, there was such a power and a purity in your worship during that season. And she said, I, it might have been hard on you, but it was good for us. I was neither amused nor comforted. Like, I'm glad for you. <laughs> it was still hot for me. Um, but, but what did she mean? She was pointing out the fire friendship principle. Friendship with Jesus is found in the fire. And there is a depth to a fire-forged friendship that's like nothing else. What do you need when you lead people in worship? It's not really about musical talent. That certainly has its place because people who ain't talented distract you (laughs) from the worship, okay? But it's not really about the musical talent. It's really about intimacy with Jesus. You can't take people any deeper than you've been yourself. You can't draw people any closer to to the Lord than you are yourself. So what was happening, even in those times when I was in too much pain and too much turmoil to even recognize it, is that Jesus was manifesting himself to me in that fire and it was producing in me the fruit of intimacy and the fruit of intimacy is the fire. Is, I'm sorry, is worship. The, the fruit of intimacy that you find in the fire is worship. And I was able to lead people to an intimate place with Jesus, not so much because I was drawing near to Him, but because He was drawing near to me. And He was way closer. At every moment, He was way closer than I could even perceive Him to be. He's right there beside you listen I I know that when you walk through the fire you want to just wither up and withdraw from God believe me I understand the inclination especially you want to withdraw during times of worship I think there's there's this um, there's this thing that rises up in you where you just want to shove your hands in your pockets like what do I have to worship God about my life is on fire. What would I worship God for? It just feels too hard. It feels too raw. It feels too exposed. But I'm here to tell you, worship Him anyway. 
worship Him anyway. He's closer than you think. And when you push through the heat and you push through the flames and you push through the hurt and the turmoil and the confusion, you will be able to worship Him at a depth and a level of intimacy that you've never experienced before. See, your worship might have been routine before the fire started. You might have just been going through the motions. But when you're in the fire and you press deeper into His presence, that requires faith and humility. And there is nothing that attracts the presence of Jesus like faith and humility. That, that trust and that intimacy still changes you even after your firewalking season is over. When you realize when you realize that Jesus was there with you through it all, when you realize that he didn't just meet you in the fire, that he's still waiting on you on the other side, when you realize that he saw you at your worst, at your weakest, at your angriest, at your times of doubt, and he never moved from beside you, that changes you forever. That changes how you view Jesus. He's no longer just a savior. He's no longer just an acquaintance. He, he's no longer just somebody you read about in the Bible. He is your fire-walking friend. So what I'm saying is you won't really begin to understand who Jesus is until you've been through the fire with him. Or more accurately, till he's been through till he's been in the fire with you. It's the friendship, the fire friendship principle. These guys were changed forever in that fire. You think they these three boys ever doubted God again? You, you think they ever questioned the love of God again? You ever think they faced a crisis and the first thing that crossed their mind was, was man, he was with me through the fire, so he's going to get me through this. Right? There's just, they, they had incredible faith before the fire based almost exclusively on what they'd been taught about God from their ancestors. But now they had experienced him for themselves. They met Jesus in their fire in a personal way. And their lives and their faith and their worship and their understanding of who God is was never the same. So if you're in a fire today, don't stop until you find Jesus in your fire. The fire is hard and it's hot, but your fire-forged friendship with Jesus will change your life forever. Now, not only does this fire friendship principle apply to your relationship with Jesus, it also applies to your friendships with other people. There ain't no friends like fire friends, right? There are, I've been very blessed in 31 years of ministry to have, to have been right here in, in this footprint of this church. I've, I've served, I only served two churches, and the other one's only four miles from here. So there are, there are a few people in this church with whom I have been worshiping and serving and doing life for over 30 years. And we've walked through a lot of fires together. And it's weird because some of these people, we've never been to each other's houses for dinner. 
Like we ain't never been bowling or whatever it is that you, you do with people. Um, but there's a depth in that relationship that's hard to explain to people. Because so much can be left unsaid and so much can be left unexplained because we have a shared history of walking around in those fires together. We have a friendship that's been forged in fire. And each of us have a relationship with Jesus that's also been shaped by those very same experiences in the fire that we went through together. It's, it, this is a very confusing and frustrating time to be on the planet, isn't it? Isn't this a crazy world? We are, we are simultaneously the most connected generations of people who've ever lived and the most lonely generations of people who have ever lived. The research is very, very clear about that. We have the ability to connect with anybody that we've ever met no matter where in the world they're living right now. Like, you want to find them, you can find them. Uh, but most of us testify to the fact that we feel lonely, and, uh, and, and most of the time we don't have friends, or at least not very many. What, what in the world is that about? Well, I think it's because we've bought into the lie that we have to always put our best foot forward. We, we curate the perfect image of our lives to present to people on social media. right? We don't show them the real world that we live in. We show them our highlight reel. Like that one picture when everybody finally looked, didn't look crazy. And they're all looking at the camera and kind of smiling. Um, it's, like, it's like we're living at our 10-year class reunion. Y'all, y'all remember what it's like when you have that 10-year class reunion? You want everybody to think everything in your life is perfect and you ain't put on no weight and your kids are perfect and your husband and your spouse is perfect and everything's great. You can't live there. Like you can only hold your gut in for so long. Right? You can only make your spouse like you for so long. (laughs) You can't live there. We are desperately trying to show everybody how cool we are and how successful we are. But we forget that it's not our successes we bond over. It's our fires. Why can't we be honest about the things we've been through? Or the things that we're going through? Can you imagine how helpful it would be? in the midst of your fire, to find somebody else who's been through it too or is going through it? How encouraging to know that you're not alone and that you can make it through? It's important. Right out of high school, our, son, our oldest son spent three years in the military, in the Army, and then he came out and pursued something safer. He went straight into law enforcement. Um, so... Have you ever seen uh, two veterans meet or two first responders meet? You ever seen that? You give them like five minutes and they're best friends. Right? It, it's the craziest thing. You've ever, it, it supersedes everything. It supersedes race, religion, gender, interest, hobbies, age, any of that stuff. What bonds them is that they've walked through the same fires. I mean, for firefighters, literally the same fire. And that's a very small group of people who know what that's like. And so there's this instant intimacy that they share. Now, it doesn't mean they all like each other all the time, but there's a bond that supersedes that. My dad was a firefighter for 35 years. 
Um, retired in 1989. I will not even ask you to raise your hand if you were on the earth in 1989. He retired. Um, he passed. He had a, a very blessed with great health. Had a long retirement period. Uh, when he died in 2020, at every intersection on our procession from the funeral home in Douglasville to the cemetery on Oak Mountain in Carrollton, there were firefighters, fire trucks, police officers, other first responders standing at attention, showing respect for an 86-year-old man that they had never heard of who hadn't put, out, put on his turnout gear in over 30 years. Why? Because there is a friendship and there's an intimacy that spans generations that's only forged in the fires that you walk through together. They didn't know my dad, but they knew the fires he had walked in. And they knew the cost. They knew what it had done in his life. It's hard for outsiders to understand. But till the, till the day he died, my daddy was a firefighter. Just taking him to a uh, doctor's appointment within just a few months before he passed away. Ambulance passed by, run lights and sirens, whole deal. He said, man, this old man, 86 years old, 85 years old at this point, he said, man, my foot still gets itchy. Every time I hear that siren and see those lights, man, he said, what I wouldn't give for one more chance to drive that truck. You've been through fires, too. You've been through stuff that you can allow God to use to bring comfort and help to other people. But you've got to be willing to admit that your life hasn't been perfect. One of the things that we're passionate about here at Covenant Life is being real, right? You, you can never have an authentic relationship with God or anybody else for that matter until you get honest about who you are and where you are. We believe in that so much that Valerie and I try to be honest and real with you about the fires that we've faced or sometimes that we're even still in. And we share those fires with you and we share them with other people too. Um, it's, it's ministry, as far as I'm concerned. I'm telling you, when I started ministry 31 years ago, my pastor told me, nobody wants to hear about your problems. As far as they know, you ain't got no problems. They come to you to solve their problems. They don't want to hear about your problems. So I tried that. It didn't work. It didn't work. It makes me a fraud. And it prevents me from ministering to people in the most in, in the most productive and the most effective manner. And that's understanding that we're all in this together and we all go through stuff. Why in the world would you listen to me solve your problems? I ain't never had problems. That's just dumb. So we have to we have to share our stuff with people. It, it's at least part of the reason why you went through it in the first place. So when Valerie and I meet foster and adoptive parents, there's a connection there because we've been through those fires. We know what it's like to, to have to help somebody fight through the trauma of their past and sometimes even fight the system itself to get the kids the, the help that they need to get through what they've been through. 
when we meet military and first responder families. We get it. There's an immediate connection there. We know what it's like to go through the holidays without them. We know what it's like to dread the phone call or the knock on the door. When we meet people who've lost someone to suicide, we understand that. We get the guilt and the shame and the anger and the shock and the betrayal and all of the stuff that's associated with that. Those are fires that we've walked through. But listen, you have to abandon the need to appear to be perfect. And you have to abandon the myth that if you were a good Christian, you wouldn't be going through the fire at all. Everybody goes through the fire. Everybody. But it's only those who are willing to talk about it that gets to redeem that time through fire-forged relationships. So Jesus said this in in Revelation. Um, He said, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. There's, There's power in your testimony. There's power in your testimony of the faithfulness of God through your fire. It's powerful for you to remind yourself of His goodness and the intimacy that you developed through it. And it's, help, it's what helps you get you through. Um, I don't think I've ever done this. Corey, can we do the, uh, the goodness of God? About the first six times they sang this song, when they, when they taught it to us, I just sat there and cried. I stood there and cried. Because you think back to the fires that you've been through. And you realize that in some of those moments, you weren't sure that you were going to see the other side of that fire. And you look around and you recognize how blessed you are and how alive you are and and how much closer to the Lord that you've gotten through those situations. And you're just grateful. You're just grateful. So your testimony, when, when we sing about the goodness of the Lord, you're, you're testifying to yourself. You're reminding yourself how good God is and how faithful He was and how faithful He will continue to be. But it's also good to, to hear that testimony for other people around you who might be going through a similar fire, that they're going to make it. It helps them overcome And it helps you overcome. So let me ask you today, you going through a fire? You going through a fire right now? If you are, I just want you to to determine in your heart that you're going to apply this fire friendship principle. Determine that you're going to worship Jesus and you're going to lean into Him even in the midst of the pain and in the midst of the fear and the doubt and the confusion, that you're going to worship Him and you're going to serve Him and you're going to honor Him and and, and you're going to find Him when you do. You're going to find Him nearer to you than you thought was possible. And then when your fire-walking season is over, be willing to talk about what you've been through with other people who are still in their season. Y'all stand with me, please.
if you're if you are in, in a season right now of a fire walking season, uh, I don't hardly ever do this like this, but I, I would just love for you to come. Just would you just come and stand here at the altar? Ain't nobody judging you because every one of us has been through the fire. All right, so if, if you're in the midst of something, just come on, please. Lord, I should have asked people just to, if you weren't in a fire, come and everybody else stay in your seat. see the goodness of God that he would lead me to a to a series about walking through the fire when all of you are walking through the fire this the, the this message he gave me nine months ago almost a year ago but it was never time until right now this, this, this is not about me this is about how much God loves you that he would wait until you were in the right place at the right time to be able to hear the right word, not my word, his word, to encourage you in your season of fire walking. So I just want you to know the goodness of God to get you here so that he can love on you. And this is what I want you all to do. I'm telling you, there were, there were times... Of, of worship and there were times in the altar that if I hadn't had those moments I don't know that I would have made it through the fire and so if, if you feel comfortable those of you who have either just walked out of your fire or haven't yet walked into the next one if you would just come and, and just gather around okay just gather around and just put your hands on them and just let them know that you love them. All right? Just let people know they are not alone. Y'all reach over and, and all you fire walkers, reach over and put your hand on, on the person beside you. You are not alone. Yes, it's, it's hot. And yes, it's difficult. And yes, you get overwhelmed. And yes, you don't know where the end is going to come from. But God has got you. He is there. He is your friend. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's not going anywhere. And as long as you're walking through the fire, He will be right beside you. So reach out to Him. Some of you may have come in here today and you decided, I'm about done with this. I'm done with this God thing. I, if He's going to treat me like this, I can do better than this in the world don't do that he brought you here for a reason let's pray father in the name of jesus
Lord, there's too many people here for me to even be able to anoint them with oil. But more than the oil, Lord, would you anoint them with your presence, anoint them with your power through your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you just rest over every person in this place right now that's going through a fire. Lord, would you just reveal yourself to them. I know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego eventually were able to clear up their eyes and see you standing there in those flames with them. I pray that you do that for us right now, that you would clear up the spiritual vision and help them to see that standing right beside them in the midst of the hottest fire they've ever walked through is you. Anoint them with your peace that passes understanding, the peace that makes no sense in the midst of their circumstance. Lord, wrap them up in your presence. Wrap them up in your love. Let them know that you are with them and that there is a reason and that there is a purpose and that they will come through victorious, that they will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony that's being created in them right now. God, encourage them and give them strength for another day. That person who's on the verge of quitting, the person who's on the verge of denying their faith and just walking away, I pray, Lord, that you would draw close to them right now and give them the faith and the courage to keep going. Don't quit. Don't quit. In the name of Jesus. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.